Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. If this is your first time joining me live on iHeartRadio, the reason I say good morning, good afternoon, good evening is because people listen to this show live all over the world, and they also listen on podcasts, so I never know if they're listening, and it's morning, afternoon, or evening. It is morning for us here out of Vero Beach, Florida, where I have the joy and the pleasure to broadcast out of one of those beautiful paradises on Earth. And I get to have amazing guests that I bring to you. And over the course of the four years I've been doing this show, one of my most popular episodes is one with former Navy SEAL sniper and entrepreneur Brandon Webb on Mastering Fear. And one of the things he talks about is how fear can be paralyzing, yet for others, fear is a catalyst helping them to leap forward. I personally know from experience how fear can stop you from living life. And, you know, for those who have been listening for a while, you know I've had this ear situation for over a year and a quarter now, and it got worse after surgery. So I have to do this show from home, and I've not been driving, and I've really just been stopped because sounds can literally bring me to my knees. And the idea of fear and how you can move past it and live your life is a topic that's very important to me. And my guest today knows this as well, and he now helps others find their fearless voice. So I want to welcome, with no further ado to my show, the ambassador for fearless storytelling, Ethan Freckleton. Ethan, thank you so much for being on the show. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. I'm so excited that Ivana Siska, our dear friend, said, you guys must meet. (laughs) I know. Isn't she lovely? She is just such an amazing human being on the planet, and she was so right that you and I needed to meet. I mean, our pre-conversation, I I just had pages of notes of so many cool things that you're doing. Yeah, and likewise, it was definitely cool to meet you, and I'm excited to be here. Now, one of the things that really stood out for me with your story is this whole idea of fearless storytelling. You know, that fear can hold us back from not only creating and sharing, you know, our best work, but, you know, living our best lives. Yeah. Why did that become your mission and passion in life to help people move through their fear? Right. Well, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever heard this saying that, you know, your mess is your message. And for me, I feel like that was definitely true as far as, um, my own personal journey, both as a an artist doing songwriting and writing stories, as well as living my own best life. Uh, there were a number of years where I was really self-conscious about what I put out there, what words I used, how I showed up, what did people think of me, and really made an effort to bend over backward to try to be what other people wanted as a way of getting connection. And after a long while, that just, you know, find that it doesn't work for me. The results I was getting weren't the results that I wanted in life. 
Well, that's interesting because a lot of, a number of people, a number of my guests say that very frequently to me, the, that, and some of my clients as well, that they can't seem to achieve what they want to achieve, but they don't know why. And, yeah. and you know, that's, that's an important question, that why question. But I think in this case it's a, it's a deeper question. So I want to ask you, what is it, in your opinion, that truly stops people from moving past their fear? Mm, I, I think you've got to know what you want and be clear about, for, for me, the turning point was getting clear about what lessons have I learned in life? How does that, how do those inform the values that I have um, in terms of what would I like to invite into my life in terms of intentions? And not knowing that is really hard to move forward. Now, when I got clear about what I'd like from my life and that perhaps my actions weren't in alignment with my current lessons and values, it was a lot easier to look at what I'm doing day to day and say, am I in alignment with what I need? Okay, expand on that some more for me. Yeah, so um, if I understand that to be happy with myself and the choices I'm making day to day that maybe I need to be making sure that every day I honor my creative self in some way. So making sure that there's an opportunity or I make time to honor my creativity with a few minutes of writing or playing guitar or if I have intentions to make sure that when I'm working, that the work I'm doing is benefiting somebody, making somebody feel better, um, that that I can feel good about the choices of how I'm spending my time and energy. And yes, this, there are many people that want to do that, but they yeah. can't get out of their house, or they can't get that manuscript out of the drawer or they'll sing in the shower but not in public. They'll take the guitar out but never play for anybody. Yeah, and I, you know, I think it has to become an urgent problem before we can act on it. Like, I know for me it had to become an urgent problem. Okay. Yeah. So and what was that moment like when, you re- when it became urgent for you? Was right. there uh, an epiphany? Was there... Something that happened? Was there some question you were asked? I think I knew for years, and it took having everything feel like it was going wrong in my life for me to feel like I had to change something and take control and, and be the one in the driver's seat for my life. I think the momentum of previous choices had kind of taken over the trajectory of each day of my life. And so for me, that looked like um, going through divorce. It looked like working for a manager in a situation at work that wasn't fulfilling. It looked like 
not having enough time to explore my creative pursuits and passions. Um, it looked like not feeling like I was achieving anything for myself. It really sounds like there was a lot of things that came crashing down on you all within a very short time period. Yeah, I, you know, it, it's more like it's more like the snowball turning into an avalanche. I, mean, <laughs> I, I could see it coming for years. It's just I didn't know how to get out of it. And so there was some straw that broke that camel's back. Right, and you know, and eventually the the avalanche, and you were like, "Ah, I, I, I need air. I need to get out of this." Right, and you know, sometimes other people help you make a choice. Right, when they move on, or things get uncomfortable, and it's clear that nobody really wants to proceed forward. It, and you know, it's like, okay, I have an opportunity to start over, and so if I'm going to start over then I'm going to make sure that I honor myself and my needs first. What I've always found fascinating is in that moment when you know that you're you're ready to make the change, that if you don't, it's going to be even more uncomfortable than staying in yeah. the mess. For me, it, I remember that moment when I decided to sell my tech services company, and I had thought about doing it for years and years, and then one more thing happened with my then um, minority partner in my firm, and it was just like, I can't do this anymore. I just refuse to do this anymore. This is it. And it's different for everybody what that extra little straw is, that one little bite more that all of a sudden makes you just want to barf it all out and go, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> Why didn't I see this? And you look at it and you go, for 10 years I've been unhappy, or two years, or a year, or whatever it is, but then you start looking back and seeing all these things that you ignored because it wasn't so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah, I had to be meeting some need for sure. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about that that meeting a need thing because you speak so much on this whole idea of fearless storytelling. I mean, you work with award-winning filmmakers, authors, ghostwriters, songwriters, you know, and other creatives to really help them thrive with a fearless voice. But right. you can't do that unless you've done it for yourself, which which you have. Mm. But yet I've also seen where you could still be stuck in your own fear, but you can help other people get out right. of their own. Right. You know, I, I think I think about a lot the intersection between kind of um, fear and self-love or fear and hope, that, that we're always, these are present conditions within us at all times, and it's more like, how aware am I that I'm having a moment of fear right now, that something is coming up and that I'm at a choosing point, and I can choose to make a decision for myself from honoring my fear or from the position of nurturing my hopes. And if I have that self-awareness in the moment, 
then I can consciously make that decision. <laughs> so, um, excuse me, I, I had to mute. I had a coughing attack. Say <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that one more time. Yeah. So, um, there's an active choosing point if if I'm self-aware enough to notice that I'm experiencing a moment of fear, trepidation, imposter syndrome, um, discomfort, that I have an opportunity to make a choice for the moment or moving forward or artistically that comes from a place of honoring my fear or nurturing or nourishing my hope. I love that because I, I just wrote down this question that I thought I had heard when I had the coughing fit, and I'm so glad you reiterated that. That That is brilliant. I have goosebumps over it. When you're in certain moments or just throughout the day asking yourself, am I nurturing my hope or feeding my fear? Yeah. Yeah. That is mind-boggling and blown because I never thought of it that way. But if if every human being on the planet were to ask themselves that question multiple times a day, I can only imagine the amazing things that could happen in the world. Right. Because how many people would, when they ask themselves that question, would go, I want to keep feeding my fear versus I want to nurture the hope. Right. Yeah, that's that's it. And as I became more self-aware over the course of, you know, more years of just trying to honor myself and exploring what that what that means, it, it became I really was able to become more aware interpersonally of what other people were going through and noticing when people are feeding their fear or nourishing their own hope and maybe gravitating toward wanting to hang out more with people who are nourishing their hopes and get myself out of situations where culturally or organizationally um, fear was kind of the common denominator. There's so many thoughts swirling through my mind. I'm but, having trouble landing on a question, Ethan, which yeah, is unusual well, I, for me. You know, I'll just, just transition a little bit. Like, I think this is part of what, for me, was so alluring about creative professions and solo creative professions are kind of these, the idea of being a songwriter or performing artist is that um, when I started to explore and make time to reach out and build community and go to conferences to follow my curiosity and hope, um, there's something truly amazing and eye-opening about the first time show up in a place and everybody there is there because they're nourishing their hope. It's a different energy. It's amazing. It feels like being at Disneyland or something, minus all the candy. And it's just like this permanent, like ongoing wave of goodness. There are these people who are happy because they're choosing for themselves something that they want. They're creative, playful. There's this joy in the community of it. And that's really kind of self-reinforcing in a sense. It's, it's 
becomes addictive. Which is why I've seen so many entrepreneurs, wannabe entrepreneurs, almost bankrupt themselves going to events or joining masterminds or things like that because that's the only place that they feel the hope. Right. Their brain patterns, as Dr. Daniel Amen says, actually we begin to rewire into one of more hope thinking than fear thinking. But that's not sustainable. You need to be able to carry that outside of those events and conferences. So what do you tell somebody to help them begin to shift that when they're not in a room full of people that are all necessarily nurturing hope so that they can do it for themselves? Yeah, well, that's where (laughs) that choice between nurturing the hope and feeding the fear becomes more important because there's not always evidence right in front of you, like, or any sort of instrumentation to say that, hey, you're on the right track. Um, You know, and if I'm honest about it, one of the reasons that I got into and was so passionate about helping others kind of navigate this choice is that I was aware that's the problem. It costs money to go hang out with people I consider my tribe or to get that hit of positive energy. And I come back home, and it's like this big hangover. It's like, where is this? And it became apparent that if I wanted it, I would have to build it for myself or show up. And this is the where I landed is in a more sustainable manner, is that if I show up in the world from a place of nourishing my hope, there's a certain energy that goes with that and a certain level of, well, I guess an absence of angst that when I show up in community, um, in public or at work, that I have a different energy and people notice. And it, like like a light with, you know, say, say all the bugs in Florida, right? Like you turn on that light and it attracts a certain thing and what I find is like attracts like and so if I'm nourishing my hopes and I'm out there and I'm getting out in the community and showing up publicly and visibly it, I will attract community and others who are like-minded who are in my neighborhood who are in my on my street who are in my community I will find those people and I will have that locally so is that one of the ways you nourish hope is to find other people in your community that are doing that as well? Yeah. Or what if somebody is in a place where they they don't know even how to find other like-minded people? Yeah. Um, well, it's, it's a challenge, and I, it's it's helpful if if you have practices like journaling or you know, writing down and capturing your thoughts because chances are somebody else may be using similar language as you. So um, we're lucky enough to have access to the Internet these days, and I can type in a few keywords or thoughts and make a search and see if there's stuff in my community that I'm interested in. There might be meetups, um, community events, free events, um, these little beacons of light where people, like-minded people, may be meeting. And I, 
I know you have a book out called The Change Habit, but I think you need to work on another book called Nourishing Your Hope. Yeah, thank you. With some ways that people can, when they're just stuck in that place that's so dark, but they are trying to flame up that light some more and turn that dimmer switch up so that it's it's brighter that just begins to okay step 1 try this you know, build yeah. a lego <laughs> system you know hug a stuffed animal what, whatever it may be things to begin taking those steps cuz when you're when you're at your worst I think it's so hard to, unless there's somebody else from outside your life that comes in that can begin to reflect it, right? to hold that space. Right. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for saying so. And I certainly try to give ideas, and you mentioned the change habit, and, and one of my goals with the change habit was was to make sure that it had a, a little bit of a memoir feel to it. So I use personal examples and anecdotes for how I navigated that darkness to help myself um, find the light in those moments where where things were going rough. Um, for me, my radio show has always been the place for me to nurture hope yeah. for myself and for other people. So by picking the guests that I have on my show, I help, I get myself to work through whatever issues I'm going on. Right, and you're doing a beautiful job of that. Well, well, thank you so much. It means a lot, Ethan. It, it's little things like that, though, that become the big things. Yeah. I never would have expected that one of the ways I broke through a fear pattern that I've had recently was evacuating for Hurricane Dorian, which thankfully was not a major occurrence where I live in Florida. I, I, it's horrible what's happened to the Bahamians. Yeah. And yeah. by the way, everybody, there's lots of great places that are legit that you can donate um, money to help the Bahamians or also locally places that you can drop off stuff in Vero Beach and around the around the world, really, people are really stepping up to help that. But the act of evacuating, because I went with my friend Cindy and her 102-year-old Aunt Kate and her pup, and I had to go on steroids to do it, but I did it. I was in a car for 12 hours and didn't pass out. Yeah. You know, and I realized during the course of the drive that I broke through a fear barrier. Now, granted, there was tons of adrenaline going on, right? But I was able to get myself up to do it because I had to. And Cindy's like, you can do this. Don't worry. We will get you through it, you know. And my friends where we landed for a week in South Carolina, Gus and Eliza and their daughter Maya and their pups, you know, were just like, don't worry. We're going to get you through it. And every time I had a freak out, they were just like, it's okay. Yeah. You know, breathe. And they hugged me. So having that community. Mm-hmm. And looking at something going on in your life and saying, okay, take one, put one foot in front of the other. What's that song from the old Christmas movie? <laughs> put one foot in front of the other, and soon you'll be walking out the door, and you're a much better singer than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You did great. 
Well, thank you so much. I broke through. I love. I, I love on the air. <laughs> I love that story, Laura. On, All right, so know. we're going to go into the national news um, in just a few seconds here, and I would love everybody that's listening, whether you're listening live or you're listening to the podcast, to ask yourself this question in this moment. And if you're driving a car, please be very careful. I want you to say to yourself, "Am I nurturing hope or feeding fear?" And if you're feeding fear, think of one thing you can do to shift that to nurturing hope. So we'll be right back with more from Ethan Freckleton. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with the amazing ambassador of fearless storytelling, um, Ethan Freckleton. And the first half of the show, there were so many ahas for me. I have a ton of notes all over. There were so many quotes that I, I've just taken from Ethan that I think a couple of them, Ethan, I may use in, in my next book that I'm working on called A Little Bit Shoveled. <laughs> Absolutely. Feel and, free. And one of the things that really stuck out for me, well, there's so many that did. I had posed the question to everybody that I asked them to ask, you know, am I nurturing hope or feeding fear? And if you're feeding fear, what's one thing you can do right now this moment to start nurturing hope. What do you, uh, you know, during the break, one of the things you said really stood out, the idea of expectations of outcomes that can crash your hope and can really feed your fear. Yeah. Let's talk some more about that because expectations mm-hmm. of, okay, I'm, I'm going to find one thing to nurture hope and it's going to change my life immediately and everything will be perfect this whole perfection thing that it's going to shift overnight it doesn't happen for everybody yeah i i i i'd go so far as to say that it probably happens to just about nobody because i think while we may be good at comparing what we get versus what we see other people getting i'm i know that each of us is even better at setting expectations that are beyond beyond what we get. So one of those early things for me was when I started getting into um, professional music circles is I had this hope early on. It's like, oh, I'm going to get mentoring and connection with all these big shots, music label heads, hit songwriters, you know, famous people. And it's just going to rub off right away, and I'm going to have a successful music career, meaning that I'm going to make a living from music because I met these people or I got this advice or I got validated by these people. Um, you know, that, that's a common expectation. If I'm going to make this big leap, well, it better be going somewhere different than this uncomfortable place I'm in now. And... Yeah. So when when you made that realization, mm-hmm. this moment of, you know, I'm going to make a career at this, and it didn't immediately put you at the top of the Grammy charts, mm-hmm. like your first song that you put or the first book you wrote didn't become a Pulitzer Prize winning or a National Book Award, how did you stop yourself, or didn't you? Maybe no, it still I, hit from going. Well, I'm. I, 
I just failed at this, and I have to go back into my cocoon. Yeah, well, I, I think there's a couple sides of that, and there's the pre-leap and the post-leap. And in, in some ways, the pre-leap is harder because, one, I can't really imagine how my life might change if I leap. And I can't really imagine how I might be supported. I may not even know what being supported looks like. I mean, that's the reality of life for a lot of us when we're stuck, is we've never had it modeled what positive community and support looks like. Um, And so that can stop somebody from ever leaping in the first place. But let's say I've I've made that leap, which, which I did, and what I found was well beyond my wildest hopes. And so what happened is my wildest hopes grew, right? And from this little forest or this little set of woods to like, you know, this big jungle, Amazonian mystical jungle, like, oh my gosh, I can have dreams. And there are people out there, mentors and teachers and allies who can help me get there. And there, here's these other people who have accomplished their dreams. And so then, like, there's this breathtaking sweep of possibility, but then it's time to get to work. Um, And that's never an instantaneous process because, first of all, there is no final destination. There's just these little markers of effort happened, something was tried, people liked it or didn't like it, or people saw it or didn't see it. Um, I think there's this, this continuous journey, and it's it's a winding road into the forest. And the problem with a forest or a jungle is, you know, the trees are tall, and you, sometimes you can't see where you're going, or you lose all reference to where you are versus other people. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a little colorful here, but my, my point is um, it, it's really difficult to assess what success is at that point in the leap other than am I making money? Am I able to sustainably continue doing this? Am I growing? Do people like what I'm doing? And perhaps more importantly, am I enjoying the journey? Well, when you said you lose reference to where you are with other people, I know that for a lot of my clients and a lot of my listeners, one of the constant threads that I hear all the time is this idea of, well, that's what other people are doing. I had a guest on last week, Sally Halderson, from the general manager of 800 CEO Reads that just rebranded to Porchlight Book Company, an amazing, amazing company. And it takes a lot when you've been in business for since 1927, are there different iterations, but they've been 800 CEO reads for a long, long time, and they're rebranding to Porchlight Book Company. I mean, radically a different name. Yeah. And we talked about this moment when she said, Amazon happened. Yeah. yeah. And I loved it because literally she said, Amazon happened, just those two words. But it brought up so many feelings and concepts and ideas and we really talked about 
where they were in comparison to Amazon, and they had a choice. They could just let themselves feel completely beat up and frustrated because Amazon's there and, and that their whole business is gone or not, yeah. not to worry about Amazon, understand yeah. that it's there, it's the 800-pound gorilla, but that doesn't mean that's how you have to do business, and they've thrived because of it. So my question is, how important is it to know at any point in your pre-leap or post-leap or middle-leap yeah. as to where other people are? What's, what's your thought on that? Yeah, um, it's, it's, not a, it, it's a nuanced, complicated question. It's a great question because um, there's different answers for different phases of the journey, I think. You know, it's important to be well informed and and be educated about what you're jumping into um, in the sense that there's many ways of doing things. There's many strategies and getting a sense that for and learning enough to see that there are many different strategies that people can use and it's okay to just pick one. Um, and they all go different places. They have different tactics. They might have different measures of success, different opportunities for partnership, different skills that you have to use or learn. Um, I think it's important to be informed and to, and to stay apprised of the landscape or else you can get lost. Um, on the other hand, once you've picked your journey and your strategy or, you know, get a sense of what you're chasing after, there's a period of time where it's about immersion, it's about learning, it's about growth, it's about trying things out, it's about practicing, and it's the act of doing itself that's important, like, and growing in craft, uh, building systems, or coming up with original ideas, just you know, exploring. And during that phase is a risky time to be doing a lot of comparison because it can really pull you off your path and maybe the, to the point where you never actually try what you set out to do because other, other people over here are doing this other thing. And if I don't trust myself enough to just do my own thing, I may never find out if what I had planned was going to work. And I might get pulled in so many different directions that I don't go anywhere. And I certainly see that happen a lot post-sleep. If Jeff Bezos had worried about what other people are doing, Amazon never would have been created. Yeah. Well, one way he solved that after they have money is you just, you know, if you buy somebody, then you don't have to worry about what they're doing. Right. But in, in that beginning... Yeah. yeah. He didn't know. He just did something different, and everybody laughed at him. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's where that you know, self-trust isn't like something you just have. It, you know, I can give advice. I can say, "Hey, just trust yourself." But um, self-trust is more of like a, a, a something that's proven or validated. Like, "Hey, I'm going to try this thing. I've never created anything before." but I'm going to try it. I don't know if I'm going to be any good at it. Um, and there's either, well, there'd be a rewarding experience in some way. There'll be something about it that was good and 
rewarding and addictive about it, um, or fail quickly. And then there's a question of do I keep trying to do things or, you know, and we're I, in, I just want to be sure that we're not talking about self-trust, meaning like in Game of Thrones when the Khaleesi walked through the fire with the dragon <laughs> eggs and came out as the mother of dragons that she trusted she'd be fine. <laughs> went in. We're we're not saying that, although she had certain. <laughs> well, you certainly can, certainly you know. can, but you may reduce your chances of 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 having future leaps of faith. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but it is in your own way walking through your own kind of fire. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know. I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have many moments of leaps of faith. And I came to think about them as like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't know. I don't know if this is going to make my life better or worse, but I'm going to try it because it, because definitely not happy with what I'm doing right now. And, and, it's almost like, you know, when you're doing science, it's like, okay, I have this idea, I want to test it. And then you get like a success or a little success, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I've got this hypothesis that this that this works, or, you know, or that I can do something. So I'm going to keep testing that. And it's like building this trust equity or something, um, learning that, hey, I, I'm capable of making things happen for myself. Now, where does fun play into all of this? Because that's something that when you and I spoke a while back, I circled these big notes all over. It says, ask Ethan, what is fun? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's a tricky one. Um, I think we know what it feels like when we're having fun, right? Well, there's there's a physical effect to it. Um, there's it's personal, but for me, it's not about the specific activity. Like I think I I'm capable of making writing a book or playing music fun or not fun. I'm capable of making it either one, and it's more about. What am I bringing into it, and why am I doing it? Um, I know that for me, some of the key elements is for me to have fun, uh, I need to have some sort of community oftentimes involved, but maybe not necessarily. Um, I like to be able to explore, to find novelty, um, something new where I'm not attaching a bunch of expectations to it. Like, I don't need a result from it. I don't, I don't need to Oh, I like that. that. So yeah. one way to think about fun is something that you're not attaching a result to. Yeah, and maybe that's it. You know, that might be part of it, but it's done for the purposes of play. Like, I think about creative play as a, as a key part of my own routine making sure that I'm making time on a regular basis to have creative play, which is unattached exploration of ideas. Um, So what does that look like for you? Yeah, um, well, it it might look like 
taking an improv class with people. It might look like doodling, so I'm not, I don't consider myself to be much of a visual artist, and so I'm not, and I'm not trying to make a living from it. So if I pick up a kid's sketchbook or, you know, how to draw maps, fantasy maps or other things that just, I can try things out, not be attached to it, um, and play around. And, and it's stimulate it's stimulating if I'm doing something that's new or novel and not getting wrapped up in in other things. So you're going get, jumping a rope outside. I guess you know you know, another part of it is I'm just thinking about this and I think out loud a lot and that's one of the advantages of being a writer is you can think out loud to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, so true. <laughs> is um Well, okay, I lost it. Okay, you, you lost There's it. no fun. It's, Thinking it's, out loud, you lost your thought about fun. It's, it's over. <laughs> it's too, too reflective. Um, well, then it's a good thing you had no expectations of it, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Where it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. You know, when yeah. I was a little kid, fun seemed so simple and so easy, but as an adult, and I know this is not true of every adult, but I know it has been for me for a lot of years, it seems like fun doesn't move me forward. But I know yeah. that's not true, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody the other day says, Laura, what do you do for fun? And I, I couldn't think of anything. And that was kind of frightening in its own moment. Yeah. So you stick in, stuck in the fear of, I don't even know what's fun for me. Can I tell somebody that reading is fun for me? Well, yeah, I guess it is, but I have this expectation of what fun is supposed to be, you know. I find that fascinating that in my own mind I can't even define what's fun. Yeah. Because I have an expectation of what fun should be. Yeah, maybe that's, like, maybe the answer is in the question. Okay, you got to elaborate on that. (laughs) Well, I don't know, but, like, yeah, I, I think you're you're hitting something there around the expectation and supposed to those words like expectation what it's supposed to be and part of the element of play as as kids is when um, there aren't a lot of rules or we're not yet aware of what the rules are so there's an element of exploration and a feeling of freedom to to explore, discover the rules, or to create our own rules, um, you know, there might be something there. Like Which fun, is such a huge fun, aspect. It might, be, it might be the absence of should. You know, might be the absence of expectation. I like that. Might be the absence of ego being attached to what we're doing. It's like that Friends episode where Phoebe and Rachel go running and then Rachel doesn't want to go running with Phoebe anymore because Phoebe runs like really crazily with her hands flaring around and her feet and Mm -hmm. Rachel's embarrassed by it. Yeah. And Phoebe's like, well, I don't care what other people think of me. I'm just having fun. And then Rachel goes to do it herself and she realizes that it really is freeing and fun. Of course, she bangs into um, a light pole. (laughs) But then she's like, okay, and she just goes on herself and, and does it again. It's that letting go of what other people are thinking about. 
yeah, or might I mean, be thinking about you because you're just being in your own joy or your own fun. We're getting close to the end of the show, yeah. so I want to make sure people find out how to reach mm-hmm. out to you, Ethan, because yeah. I know you do work with people and help them make their dreams a reality and get a website and some books and different things out and music yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm 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 around. I'm easy to find. I'm Ethan Freckleton, and there's only two of me so far as I know. One is a is a six foot seven inch tattoo artist, and the other isn't. So <laughs> I would I would be the other, and and I've got a book, a self help book called The Change Habit. Otherwise, I write fiction titles, humorous and satirical fiction, and have lots of music out there and the internet and Amazon and Spotify and YouTube and other places and and I just encourage people to to think about when they look at that was I having fun when I created these things um, because if I wasn't then I probably would have stopped yeah you have a recent book out called of donkeys gods and space pirates <laughs> yes I love your titles of your books. I mean, it's just so much fun. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 a key. I think that's one of the lucky things I was able to learn early on in getting mentoring was how to detach my ego and have fun during the first draft of whether I'm writing songs or books. I think that's an important skill, releasing expectation um, early in the creative process. I know when I wrote my first book, What Would a Wise Woman Do?, uh, Debbie Maycomber, uh, an internationally famous New York Times, multiple New York Times bestselling author, she actually, I met her at a speech that she was giving, and I, I asked a question, like, how do you deal with writer's block? And, and she answered, and she said to me, number one, I pray. And number two, she said, she asked me where I wrote. And I said, you know, in my house, in this one room. And when we were talking, she said, well, there's a lot of expectations on you when you're in your house, aren't you? And you don't really feel that you can give yourself the space for writing, do you? And I went, no, you know, it's like I have all these other things to do. I need to take care of my mom, my husband, my dog, you know, the laundry, this. And she said, okay, well, who told you that you have to write in your house? Right. And I went, oh. And I bought a new laptop that actually had a battery that worked, which is funny because I'm a geek, right? So you would think I'd have the highest tech. And I went to a park by the water. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'm giving myself an hour. And I wrote four chapters. That's amazing. Yeah. Because I gave my, I let go of the expectations. Yeah. So last thought that you'd like to share with my listeners, because you've given me and my listeners so much amazing stuff so far. Yeah. um, Just encourage everyone to reflect, you know, when you can, when you're in a clear space. Um, are my actions in alignment with my values and intentions? Have I, have I learned, have I accumulated all this wisdom over, over the years and recent times? Um, have I, 
taking a moment to reflect on what I've learned and think about how I could apply that to today and tomorrow and the next week and the next year ahead. And, you know, I think we've all got a lot of wisdom and a lot of opportunity to put that into action to create joy and fun and purpose and to invite community. Um, and it, sometimes it just takes a moment of slowing down and taking inventory. It sounds so simple. <laughs> yeah, and right. some levels it is very simple, but I know that there are some people listening right now that don't know how to take that first step. So yeah. what do you say to them? Well, time and energy is something that everybody struggles with, um, whether regardless of what they're doing. And that's one of the most common elements I see. And I just encourage people to pay attention today and tomorrow to what activities you do in the day add energy for you and what takes energy away from you what kind of that's right. it out and and get rid of those things that that aren't refilling the cup the perfect last thought ethan thank you so much for being Thanks on the for. show today and remember everybody the right questions can change your life so what are you asking today and i hope one of the questions you take away from today's show is am i nurturing hope or feeding fear I'll be back next week, and you can find Ethan on the web. Just Google Ethan Freckleton, and he's the man without the tattoos. Have a great day, everyone. <laughs>